Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Pool Pa, The Flasher, an original soundtrack recording from 1973. I liked it. I wanted to see a dirty picture, and that's what I saw. I don't want somebody telling me that I can't see a dirty picture. You would see movie stars there. You would see society people there. The next week, the growth doubled. I mean, everybody starts to vibrate like a gong. It was a revolution. Rebellion. Deep Throat was a badge of the new freedom. That's from the trailer for the 2005 documentary Inside Deep Throat. The film was directed by Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbado about the 1972 pornographic film Deep Throat, which spearheaded the so-called Golden Age of Porn. Wikipedia says the Golden Age of Porn refers to the 15-year period between 1969 and 1984 in commercial American pornography in which sexually explicit films experienced positive attention from mainstream cinemas, movie critics, and the general public. Deep Throat was a 1972 adult film written and directed by Gerard Damiano, though officially credited as Jerry Gerard, and starred Linda Lovelace and Harry Reams. It was one of the first adult films to actually have a plot, in addition to some somewhat high production values. Though it was extremely mixed, Deep Throat got a lot of mainstream attention. It grossed $1 million in its first seven weeks, and then a record $3 million in its first six months. But let's rewind back a couple of years. Brooklyn-born Barry Kerr was working for a pharmaceutical company called ER Squibb & Sons. He's working as a salesperson going around to doctors, giving them samples and explaining the benefits of a particular drug. But he also wanted to make movies. In 1970, he made his movie debut as the producer of an adult film called The Deviates. The Deviates was directed by Lewis Jackson, who Kerr had met at the School of Visual Arts in New York. In an interview with the Rialto Report, Kerr said, quote, We both wanted to make a movie. He had more experience than me so we agreed he would write and direct the film and I would produce it. We put a little ad in the New York Times, and these two elderly guys in suits and ties with slight Eastern European accents answered it. I don't remember their names, but they wanted to make a movie. Not just any movie, either. They wanted to make a porno movie. They hadn't done it before. They weren't distributors, but they were interested in giving us money. They saw it as a chance for them to make money. They weren't interested in the sex. In fact, they didn't even want to be on the set when we shot it. So they gave us around $5,000 and Lewis wrote The Deviates. It was a hardcore film, but it had a plot too. It wasn't wall-to-wall sex. End quote. So Kerr and Jackson made The Deviates and then just kind of moved on with their lives, not thinking much about it. Then one day, a year later, Kerr got a phone call from the guys who had financed it. They made good money from the film, and they wanted to make another. Kerr told him he would do it. He had zero instruction other than they wanted it to be a porn. But Kerr had something a little different in mind. He told the Rialto Report, quote, I wanted to make something a little different. I knew the film had to look like a normal porno movie, but every time the sex would start, 
I wanted to portray something that would be straight out of the theater of the absurd. I wanted it to be surreal and zany. End quote. The film would be called Forbidden Under the Censorship of the King, or F-U-C-K. It would be about a researcher who takes out an advertisement and gets people to contact him about their sexual fetishes. Barry Kerr was friends with Greenwich Village singer-songwriter Carolyn Moss. Through her, he met a New York musician named Lenny Colacino. Colacino sang and played guitar in a band called Cement Raft. Though Barry Kerr had zero musical background, he heard potential in Cement Raft and wanted to try something new, managing a rock and roll band. Kerr had also recently befriended Michael Wright, a producer and engineer. The two of them encouraged Cement Raft to change their name. Kerr's choice for their new name? Pool Paw. It came from the Kurt Vonnegut book Cat's Cradle, where Pool Paw is defined as the wrath of God, or shitstorm. Now, back to 1971. Kerr was shooting his new unusual adult film. And now, he wanted Pool Paw to provide its soundtrack. Pool Paw would write a lot of the music themselves. But Michael Wright, brought an additional songwriter on board, Rupert Holmes. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, if you like making love at midnight in the dunes. At this point, Rupert Holmes was still three years away from recording and releasing his own music and eight years away from his number one hit, Escape, parentheses, the Pina Colada song. Holmes and Michael Wright had worked together on the 1970 hit for the Buoys, Timothy, written by Holmes and produced by Wright. It's perhaps the only hit song ever about cannibalism. So Michael Wright officially got Rupert Holmes on board to help write the soundtrack. In the soundtrack's reissue liner notes by Joe Marchesi of SecondDisc.com, maybe saying his name wrong, apologies, Rupert Holmes said, quote, In those days, my policy was to say yes to absolutely every opportunity presented to me. Money had nothing to do with it. If it cost me money, I'd say yes. This was a period in the history of porn in America where porn was getting some legitimacy. It was beginning to be thought that films, serious films, might come out of this industry. End quote. So, all of the pieces were now in place for Kerr's not-really-porn-porn film. Kerr told the Rialto Report, quote, My idea was to shoot the film as a hardcore porno, but then cut the hardcore sex out and make it into a light, softcore sex comedy. That was my vision. I wanted to end up with a 70-minute sex comedy. End quote. So, when the film was edited, all of the hardcore sex scenes were removed, just as Kerr planned. The only thing was, the movie starred Herb Streicher, now better known as Harry Reams, one of the stars of Deep Throat, which came out during the editing. Kerr told the Rialto Report, quote, 
When I showed the non-porno version to the guys who financed me, they flipped out. Where are the fuck scenes? You have Harry Reams, so where are the fuck scenes? What are you doing here? As a result, they weren't interested in releasing the movie, and neither was anyone else. End quote. A producer named Steve Singer then bought the film from its original producers. Kerr would tell the Rialto Report, quote, He loved it and thought that we could sell it as a non-porno movie. He bought the movie from the two old men and he became the film's producer. He sold the hardcore version to a company in California. They changed the name of the movie from Forbidden Under the Censorship of the King to The Flasher. We never had a big premiere or anything like that. End quote. And in 1973, Poolpa's The Flasher, an original soundtrack recording, was released on Green Bottle Records. <laughs> the soundtrack begins with Flight, the first of three Rupert Holmes composed tracks. This instrumental track features an ARP 2600 synthesizer, which had to be programmed one note at a time. Jeff Mitchell, who also appears on the soundtrack playing organ, did the synth programming, which Rupert Holmes played. Next is Winter in April's Eyes, which was written by Lenny Colaccino, who, in the liner notes, says of the song, quote, Both songs were about my girlfriend at the time. I was totally gobsmacked. They're, you broke up with me, so I'm going to write a song about you songs. End quote. The song is our first time really hearing Pool Pa, which consisted of Rick Stabile on drums, Bruce Handelman on bass and trumpet, Seth Handelman on guitar and sax, Lenny Colaccino on vocals, guitar, and bass, and strangely, Joe Rougier is credited as playing on the album, though he doesn't actually appear on it. Billy Arrington, instead, is the other guitarist. And by the way, Billy Arrington also got to provide his voice in the actual film, as he was the voice of Spencer the Sperm in an animated sequence. There's something I was asked but never answer. Did I see that long black hair dance with the wind? Pa was asked to write a song that would go with a part of the film which involved someone who could only achieve orgasm with the use of a camera. Colacino co-wrote the song with Bruce Handelman, and Rupert Holmes joined them to sing backing vocals.
close out side one is a track that might actually be familiar to some people. It's been sampled in several hip-hop songs over the years, most famously by Wiz Khalifa, Currency, and Big Sean in the 2011 track OTTR. They say it's about time some niggas made it And when I go outside, they say I'm famous And some don't understand, but listen close and you'll find out I'm running through the ground, you smell the push when I ride out the original track is another Rupert Holmes composition titled Sour Soul. Side 2 begins with Laughter and Pain. It's a song that had nothing to do with the film. It was written by guitarist Seth Handelman when he was just 18 years old and wrote it about battling depression. Seth Handelman wrote another song that had nothing to do with the movie called Two Way Road. This one was written alongside his twin brother, Bruce. Lenny Colaccino contributed another song about his girlfriend at the time, April Witch. Rupert Holmes even provided some clarinet on the track. In the reissue of the album's liner notes, Holmes said, quote, I play a lot of instruments very badly. I'm very proud of that. But I was a good clarinetist. I went to Manhattan School of Music, where I just got an honorary doctorate from a school that I had to drop out of because my career was getting too busy to learn how to write music. I was getting too busy getting my songs recorded to learn how to write. And they just rewarded me with that. End quote. The album closes with another Rupert Holmes original, Flasher Theme.
The film didn't do well. Turns out that people weren't exactly looking for laughs in their porn. And the soundtrack had its troubles as well. On May 19, 1973, Billboard reported the following. Green Bottle Records is running into censorship problems over the album The Flasher by Poolpaw, which is the soundtrack of a porno film, forbidden under the censorship of the king. Promotion of the soundtrack, which was Poolpaw's only ever album, was halted and it almost entirely disappeared. But the film's producer, Steve Singer, had one more idea. He wanted to combine the non-porn version of the film with its music. His idea would come to life as Spend an Evening with the Flasher, a one-night-only X-rated concert. The event would take place at New York's Beacon Theater on August 21, 1973. Kerr told the Rialto Report, quote, I wanted to incorporate all sorts of entertainment. I wanted Poolpaw on stage playing the songs from the movie, and then we'd show some film clips, some vaudeville acts, and have a stripper. I put the whole thing together, end quote. The event reportedly sold around 1,500 tickets. A national tour was planned, but never happened. The album and the film would gain cult status through the years. And finally, in 2023, Real Gone Records released a reissue of the soundtrack on black and white swirl vinyl. Copies are still available at realgonemusic.com, but the album is not currently streaming on Spotify. While a wide release for a porn soundtrack may be unusual, there have been adult film stars who have released their own albums. In 1995, Radioactive Records released the debut album 1000 Fires by former adult film star Tracy Lords. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.